Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jim White. Uh, I'm your host and coming to you live from Carmel, California, on July the 16th, 2011. We have a fantastic show in line for you today. This is part two of a six-part series that we're doing on the economic impact of construction in California. We're going to discuss the debt ceiling today. We're going to discuss the highway bill, an update on that from uh, last week's uh, show. We're going to discuss uh, the California budget and hit some highlights there. And I am going to share with you some uh, uh, things that the uh, AIA is doing that I think is extremely interesting. Uh, And so we'll be sharing that with you in the uh, segments to come. As we discussed last week on the show, if you tuned in, if you had, if you didn't tune in live, uh, I encourage you to do so. And as I said in my announcement and uh, preparing for the show for this week, this is what I call a open mic show. And what I mean by that is uh, we're throwing things out there. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, in Washington these days. There's a lot going on around the world. Uh, there's a lot of issues and challenges that we have within the state of California and the budget there. So I'd like to hear from you. And you can uh, call in at 619-768-7298. I repeat, 619-768-7298. And uh, we'd love to hear from you and share your comments on anything to deal with these topics. The goal of this series, as I said, is to create a sense of urgency. And what I mean by that is that all of the leaders within our industry, both private and public, uh, we must uh, assert a leadership role. Uh, In short, the construction and the allied industries that we're focusing on in these segments uh, have more influence than you believe. Uh, We also shared last week uh, that, remember, that the elected officials do work for the citizens of the United States and and of California accordingly. Now, we believe that our state and uh, a national economy can get back on track if we, uh, as the leaders of the industry, will... Uh, come together and start looking at some more creative ways to fund some of these uh, uh, public sector projects and to fund some of the existing design-build projects that are currently on the table. And as I said, I will share some thoughts on that through the EIA. Uh, Just love what they're doing in, 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 in their side of the industry as well. So I also want to um, reinforce uh, some uh, stats that I gave last week, and I've been asked to do this. I got a lot of feedback. We've had over 51,000 hits from the show last week, and I want to thank my uh, guest, uh, Emily Cohen, uh, from the utility uh, EUCA of Northern California for sharing a lot of great information with us last week. But a lot of the folks have uh, written in and said, would you just kind of go over the uh, key infrastructure facts that I hit on as, as California last week? So I, I'm going to do that. Uh, so bear with me if you uh, have listened to it and heard some of these things before. But it's like the old adage, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you're going to tell them, and tell them again, right? So with this in mind, uh, what we need to know, whatever citizen need to know, regardless of what your profession is, 
we rely on infrastructure. Without the infrastructure, we have not, right? Without the infrastructure, we we are just absolutely dead in the road. Now, these statistics are coming from uh, the uh, American Society of Civil Engineers and what they're called their report card. Uh, you can find that uh, uh, link on our on our website and on the emails I sent out early in the week to be able to look at the nice video there on the reports. And like I said, this is the latest data that we have from uh, the Society of Civil Engineers. And once again, they they cite that out of 1,247 dams that we have in California, 69 are in critical need as we speak of. Uh, upgrades and safety and uh, these types. That's 69. And they also go on to say that 59% of these hazard dams, we in fact do not have an emergency action plan. Now, that's something that the uh, industry, uh, Sacramento, uh, all of the sectors, uh, we should take a serious look at because if one thing that we've learned from the Katrina's of the world and the other natural disasters, uh, it's always too late when it's too late, right? So we've got to make sure that we are addressing these. Now, you've heard me say over and over and over, we're not short of stuff, right? We've got plenty of stuff to deal with. But our challenge is what I uh, I teach and I'm always telling our students and our clients and, and the concept is that we've got to be able to focus on the vital few. Well, we have so many vital fews within the state of California and throughout our country. It's kind of it's kind of hard, but we got to uh, focus and, uh, and 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 really drill down on those vital things that can just absolutely hit us and disastrous. Now. California's drinking water infrastructure needs has an investment of over $27.8 billion over the next 20 years. That's the projection. So there's a need there. So within the industry, I don't know, is think about, all right, if we do not have uh, public sector money and if we're having it, it's, it's allowed our entrepreneurial spirit to go to work and let's figure out maybe a private sector solution in, in conjunction with the public sector, uh, which commonly referred to as a the 3P uh, process, is uh, a private-public partnership. And these are some things that I think that we need to look at uh, in, in, in more depth, uh, especially some of our senior uh, leaders and our association leaders and uh, private sectors to look at these possibilities because there's one thing that is for sure there is still plenty of money plenty of liquidity around the world that is open to these projects providing that we bring forth a very solid plan in order to execute these projects so this is what I mean by all of the leaders stepping up to the table and become uh, become a solution and 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 just start uh, rolling up our sleeves and putting action plans together uh, to solve some of these problems. Now, also want to point out that 66% of California's major roads are in poor or mediocre condition. 66%. And a lot of you are saying, Jim, we've heard this. We know. It. I know. But the thing about it is, I wanted to get it ingrained in your mind that we have these issues. We tend to get up and, and, and think, well, there's not a whole lot that we can do about it. Well, I, you're wrong. There is a lot you can do about it. You can be, you can educate yourself. And like I said, this is the uh, part of the uh, mission of our show is to inspire and educate and bring awareness and create urgency and not to be the next talking head that's going on, but really focusing on our industry and making sure that we can uh, step out there and take a leadership role and in solving some of these major problems, which I know we can. Now, also in the report, it states that 68% of California's urban need 
is $1.7 billion for its state public outdoor and recreation facilities in Parkland. We cannot allow that to go by the wayside. We need these parklands. And now, within the California budget, I think you, if you'll, if you'll dig into that budget, you will look at some of the parks that are uh, slated to be closed or reduced operating hours and all of that. We cannot allow that to happen. Uh, the state of California is absolutely uh, vast uh, in, in its uh, climate, and their recreation is a big part of that. So we need to come up with some solutions, and I encourage a lot of the uh, private sector uh, management, entertainment uh, sectors, even from the uh, from from Hollywood and all these other major. Uh, actors, producers that can get involved and help us put money behind some of these projects, and it's absolutely critical that we that we do so. So here are some of the facts that uh, we were asked to uh, just to bring to the surface again, and I have three more before we go to our first break, and that is that. $18.17 billion in wastewater infrastructure needs. We have $18 billion in wastewater infrastructure needs. Now, if you have an opportunity to watch that wonderful video from the Society of Civil Engineers, you'll see uh, the, the mayor of, of Atlanta uh, was addressing some of their water and, uh, and wastewater Things and I think she called herself. I'm, I'm the sewer mayor, uh, and all of the billions of dollars that the city of Atlanta spent in order to upgrade their infrastructure and water and, and, and sewage. So these are absolutely critical things. And once again, 30% of all of California's bridges are structurally deficient or functionally obsolete. So I want to leave you with those thoughts as we go to our first break. And we will come back right after break, and we will take a look a little bit more and talk about the debt crisis that we have in front of us. So we'll be back in 40. This segment is brought to you by TES Asset Management and Consulting Group, helping contractors, construction equipment dealers, and manufacturers of construction equipment develop the resources and talent to grow their bottom line including asset management and all things dealing with running a business, from succession planning to project management, the secret of top companies and CEOs for years. Let TES Asset Management and Consulting Group build on your current success and grow your bottom line at TESAMG.com. We're back. Let's talk about the debt crisis. Well, you're probably sitting at home right now being inundated with, with, with that discussion, right? Uh, every blog, every talking head that you can talk about is talking about the debt crisis. So my input on the debt crisis is going to follow this line of thinking. You know, our, our current debt ceiling is set at $14.3 trillion. Well, I want you to think about that. Here we have $14.3 trillion in debt. Yet, we have a need, and we've had dialogue going on between uh, the White House and the leadership of, of, of Congress at to raise the deed to raise the debt ceiling. Well, to me, that's kind of all put into a degree. However, it is a need. We're in this need. Now, if there is not some action that's taken before August 2nd, we will, for the first time in the history of the United States, default on our obligations. Now, do I think that's going to happen? I don't think so. However, that's what, 18 days or so, 19 days? That's a short period of time. So we have 
uh, from both parties posturing, and I can't help but to ask myself, is it really about the debt ceiling, or is it posturing about the 2012 election, uh, people getting prepared, or is it about their ego as much as it is about the American people? We hear every elected official uh, speak that this is what the American people want. Well, you know, well then, it's get on with it. It's come together, and it's make sure that we come up with a solution. And uh, I stated last week, and, and also earlier in our first segment, that remember that our elected officials, they do work for us. So as we go to bed and rise on a daily basis, and we turn to our first news of the day as we arise, and we see all these issues being discussed, I would encourage you at that point is to shoot an email to your local representative. Just let them know, come on, let's get to work. It's, it's get to work. It's, it's, it's get this thing over with. Because the longer we are getting closer to that August 2nd date, this is what's happening. You could go right now as I'm speaking just go, I'm going to use the word, and I know I don't know how Google became the land of all information, but whatever Internet search engine that you choose, uh, see what Standard & Poor's are saying about the prospect. Well, they're talking about downrating the credit rating of the United States. Now, just yesterday, I saw a piece to come across where China, China is weighing in on this, saying, come on, America, you've got to do it. Because what we're doing, we are continuing to, to create, just to create volatility in the market, uncertainty, and create an unnecessary fear when we know at the end of the day all of a sudden, miraculously, there's going to come to an agreement on this debt ceiling issue. But no, we got to pull it out. we got to make the market sweat it out. We've got to get all the world's economy looking at us. And I wonder, and I wonder, wonder, where, where's our leadership? Our leadership is lacking, in my opinion. And my opinion, and this is where I get myself in trouble sometimes, and I seem to get on my soapbox, if you will, but I'm sorry. I've been around for a long time, and I've seen, what, 18 and 19 different recessions in the past 40 years. And I often wonder, as far as our founding fathers, what they would say if they could look in and weigh in on exactly uh, how we are leading uh, these issues at this point in time. I, I think it would be appalled, and that's my opinion. Now, the nice thing about uh, having a radio show, uh, especially from the Internet, you can have these opinions with say, someone else telling you that you can't. So that's the beauty of what we have here. But I want you to make sure that, you you sat and you look yourself in the mirror and said, man, I'm tired of this. I'm going to get up and I'm going to start being heard. Now, we already have a very fragile economy, right? It's fragile. To add this on top of it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just beyond my comprehension is to be able to come this close and still having these issues uh, under discussion uh, between the leadership. And it's also critically important that this piece gets done because one of the major things that's affecting uh, not only California's uh, infrastructure uh, funding, you know, has been coming up with a long-term infrastructure funding bill, which I talked about last week in the show with, with Emily. Well, with this looming debt crisis hanging out here, you've got this issue hanging out here. 
Well, it's kind of hard to put the two in, in balance. So we've got to make sure that, you know, if, say, for example, should something happen that we do not uh, uh, raise this debt ceiling between now and August the 2nd, then all bets are off as it relates to a long-term infrastructure bill. You see, so it's it's just a chain reaction that can absolutely have devastating effects for world economies around. So, and and not to oversimplify uh, the complex, you know, complexities, I should say. I don't want to make it sound too simple because it is a complex issue. However, I believe if we can um, uh, take all of the uh, time and efforts and all the committees and all of the staff and all of the support and everything that's set within the beltway, uh, we we can certainly go ahead and get this uh, debt ceiling issue uh, uh, passed without any problem whatsoever. Now, it's also, if this continues, um we're going to be looking at a lot of things. Uh, you know, we're going to be looking at another great recession. Uh, the reduced federal revenues by uh, $1.9 trillion and raised income security payments and the unemployment insurance alone is $600 billion. Uh, I mean, I could just add on, and I hope you are hearing these numbers. They're astronomical numbers that needs to come together in the next few days to stabilize uh, what right now is a potential uh, tsunami, if you will. And if we thought 2008 was bad, let's just let this come together and we got some real issues. Now, I'd like to turn over in, in this for a moment and say, okay, we're going to get the debt ceiling raised. So allow me to make a transition before our next break, and and that's to talk a little bit more about uh, Chairman uh, Micahs, uh, which is the chairman of the Infrastructure and Transportation. Uh, talk a little bit more about his uh, uh, his work and 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 what uh, the issues are there. Now, I want to start off with that as the major thing in order to get a long-term highway bill passed is the number one aspect of doing that is going to be stabilizing the highway trust fund. Now, most 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 of us in the industry understands what the highway trust fund is, but it's just do a little background. For example, Bottom line, it comes from gas tax, right? So, I want to put a couple of numbers together for 2010. In 2010, the trust fund brought in $35 billion in revenue. But, we spent $50 billion in spending was authorized. So, over the past three years, Congress has had to transfer approximately $35 billion from the general fund into the highway trust fund to keep it solvent. Now, this is a serious issue that we've got to look at. Now, uh, Emily pointed out uh, that California, for example, uh, we're not getting all of our share of that, if you will, and we have this disparity between the different states and how the funding comes in. However, the trust fund, uh, if we continue this spending, it, it's certainly unsustainable because at this rate, the trust fund will be broke in 2013. No question about it. It will be broke in 2013. So it's important that we educate ourselves and that uh, we as the uh, leaders understand and, and 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 the willingness of the administration and of Congress to raise uh, gas tax is you know it's it's it they're they're not willing to do that. So what are some of the alternatives that are available to us? So we'll come back and uh, grab that in just a moment. We'll get another break in here. 
You've been listening to Jim White. This segment is brought to you by Circle of Success, a dynamic, year-long, intensive management and leadership development process designed to help individuals and organizations reach their goals quickly. A customized process addressing specific needs and identifying the critical opportunities particular to the individual and organization with results measured in increased revenue, increased net profits, and increased equity. The Circle of Success, inspiring excellence in people at jlwhiteinternational.com slash circles. Okay, we're back. Now let's talk about what I think one side of the industry, I think they're just doing a phenomenal job. And that's the American Institute of Architects. Just recently, actually July the 5th, um, they, they came out with the following observations, and this was as as a result uh, of a of a, a meeting. Uh, the AIA announced that you know a commitment as a member of the CIG, which is a, a American Conference of, of the Clinton Global uh, Initiative, uh, which is solely dedicated to economic issues impacting the United States. That's the Clinton Global Initiative. And what the uh, AIA committed to do at that was to uh, develop a database. And they haven't given a date when this database will be available. But what I find very interesting in, in, in that is, is, is the following. This is reason that's important to us in this industry. Because from all indications... Uh, residential housing in, in a lot of parts of the country has not hit bottom. If you depends on which economist and which report you look at, have not hit bottom. So we have a lot of inventory uh, that's got to seek its level. Then we have a lot of commercial as well uh, that has got to seek its level. So the AIA's president said, "Okay, we're." We're committed to uh, developing a database, and the database is in part uh, to be able to put projects in this database that are, in fact, ready to go. However, they cannot get funded for these projects. Now, the AIA surveyed their membership, and part of this survey and some of the numbers uh, as how strong uh, that the construction and design, I should say the design and construction industry, that's what I'm talking about here for the most part for the AIA, uh, they account for $1 to $9 billion of the U.S. gross domestic product, and that's according to the latest U.S. Census Bureau, Okay. Now, for months, 2007, 2008, we're in July of 2011, uh, they went on to say at this meeting that our industry uh, has continued to suffer solely because the banks will not lend. Okay? The banks will not lend. So, as we normally do, uh, we have a de-jerk reaction, so we've gone too far by tightening up some of the credit, and then we have the looming debt ceiling, and then we have all of this other stuff, and you see where it starts compounding. Now, it is absolutely uh, critical that we get this bottle deck out. So with that segment of the industry, design and construction segment, uh, contributing one to nine billion of the U.S. Uh, uh, domestic product. Well, if we have these projects ready to go, uh, we should be able 
to identify these in some type of database that we could all look at and go look at these projects and say, oh, here's a project that makes sense, and how do we go ahead and get it funded and get it off, uh, get it off dead center, if you will. Now, in this meeting at the, Glo- at the Clinton Global Initiative, uh, they went on and they demonstrated in their presentation, they talked about this, that the projects that they're talking about were all credit-worthy projects. These weren't some off-the-wall type of things. And almost two-thirds of them are, are the architects responding to this survey, uh, telling them what they have on the drawing board and what they have ready. It said that at least one project that is stalled due to lack of uh, financing. Like I said, they, they're ready to go, but they can't, they can't get these financing. Now, of the 63% of the firms of the AI, uh, A firm surveyed with the stalled projects, the average value of this stalled project is $50 million per firm. Now, I hope you're getting a clear picture where we're going with this. We have some uh, stuff on the table, but, you know, as I said earlier, we have excess inventory yet uh, from a commercial side. So, therefore, if the AIA can make this uh, available to the world to look at for all of the entrepreneurial contractors and developers and uh, financiers so we can start looking at these projects one by one and coming up with a way to fund them without waiting on everyone. This is what's going to jumpstart, and that's what I call talk about us being able to do this uh, internal from a local leadership, if you will. So we need to take a look of, of these projects and know what they are in, in the state of California uh, and, and other other states as well, and to make sure that uh, you know we can come up with solutions to move some of these things along. Now, AIA went on and, and said, and they're talking about a index that they have that could provide nine to twelve months glimpse of the future. And, and so the non-residential construction spending activities continues to deteriorate. Now, this is, this is the meeting on July the 5th. They're saying it continues to deteriorate, and I agree with that. All facts tell us that the residential side is going to continue to deteriorate before it gets better. So once again, if you take a, take a look and, 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 and view ourselves as this entrepreneurial industry and and that we are a country that can do, I mean, we've done massive things throughout the history of our country. Well, this is no exception. There are opportunities for uh, the, 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 the wealthy, the uh, very strong entrepreneurs to be able to step up to the table because, like I said, we've got money sitting in a bank that we can put behind some of these projects and be able to move some of them forward that's going to do what? Well, we talked last week about uh, from the construction industry in California alone that the, uh, that the payroll is about $19.5 billion based on the construction. And the related industry trickle-down effect affects over 8, 8 million people, and there's like, what, 347 industries involved. So we have this trickle effect that if we would just stop, uh, look at those projects, and, and, and just look at the, pu- the public uh, public need, the infrastructure needs from public, and start looking at the uh, private uh, needs from some of these uh, projects that are ready that's been quoted by the AIA at the uh, Clinton Global Initiative. And I, I think that we can start uh, freeing up some of this stuff and at the same time that puts us outside of waiting. We've we got to stop waiting for the government to make things happen, right? So that's what I mean by taking control. But at the same time, we got to keep the pressure uh, on our uh, elected officials in order to be able to uh, come up with uh, pass these bills and stop uh, stop the bickering uh, that's uh, that's become a norm with inside the Beltway. And, and and I know these words uh, to a lot of you say, eh, how are we going to do that? Well, or I can't do anything about it. Or, geez, uh, they don't, yes, we can. That's what we need to get across in all of these different uh, uh, 
uh, interest groups and uh, you know all the lobby and uh, everybody's lobbying for their own uh, self-interest. And you know I'm I'm a capitalist myself. I believe that, and, and this is what our country allows us for some poor throwaway uh, kids to be able to do well. And, and and that's my concern, that we do not want to continue to throw water on that uh, uh, that opportunity that we have in our uh, entrepreneurial uh, side of the uh, uh, country as well. So it's absolutely important that uh, we, we uh, take a look at some of these projects, and we'll keep you posted uh, with this uh, update on this AIA uh, initiative uh, over the weeks to come and when that database will be available so we can look at some of these projects, okay? Now, when I come back, uh, I'm going to also discuss what I think is another, uh, some great input and, and some leadership that's coming out of the uh, AGC as Associated General Contractors, and I want to highlight some of the uh, things that they brought to light and I know that they have in front of Congress as well. And I just wanted to bring an awareness for our, our, our local leaders to be aware of what they're doing so we can uh, add our voice to that as well. So we'll be back in 40 seconds or so. This segment is brought to you by 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit. 12 O'Clock High is one of the undisputed best movie classics of all time. It is also one of the best business learning tools available. The movie rated number one by top executives for its influence on their management style. Now, the inspiration of the 12 O'Clock High Leadership and Management Summit, an innovative one-day event and 30-day follow-up where you will quickly see what's working and not working on the front lines of your company and in your own leadership style. Learn more at 12high.com. That's one two high dot com. This segment is brought to you by. Okay, we're back. Push the wrong button. We're back. Before we went to break, uh, I said that I wanted to just raise more awareness uh, to what one of our associations is doing, and we have so many wonderful associations within our state. Our uh, I mean, there's so many people uh, with the right intent and uh, the, the the right heart, uh, and and I just want to uh, address some of uh, the things as I was looking at AGC's uh, plan. Uh, I couldn't help but just to resonate, uh, and that's what their report, and you can get it from their website, uh, Building a Stronger Future: uh, A Blueprint for Economic Growth, 2011. So I, I just think it's a solid, solid plan, and I, I want to uh, talk about that uh, for the remaining time that we have uh, in the show today. And once again, the call-in number is 619-768-7298. Now, in this report from the AGC, uh, they start off with the big boat, the need. Right. They also start that the recession that never ended, and we talk about officially, officially, uh, the recession ended in June of '09. Right, officially. However, the construction industry continued to suffer job losses, uh, you know, and ever tighter margins, and we haven't stopped. Uh, there are some fairly large infrastructure projects uh, in, the, in the Bay Area, uh, some big numbers that are, that are coming online, but uh, the margins continue to deteriorate. Now, at the start of 2011, the industry unemployment was 20.7%. The industry, at the start of 2011. Now, and that's roughly twice the national average, and that's different segments of the trade. So this is a big deal, uh, huge deal, okay? Now, 
with this high unemployment, I don't need to tell you that the drain, uh, go look at the uh, reports on this, and the drain from the unemployment and uninsured and, I mean, all, all these type of things, it's, it's just absolutely uh, draining us. Now, we also remember that from the um, construction remains weak, you know, even though we have all these needs, while there was $884 billion, uh, invested in construction in 2009, uh, that amount shrank, you know, it was about $100 billion down from 2010, uh, so it's a 10-year low. So this is continues to tell us some things that we as the industry leaders need to be aware of. Man, it's going the wrong way. And this has uh, been a big part of the show today. And once again, uh, this is uh, this series and in, in, in the intent, and it goes, what? Create urgency and just reinforce, and, 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 and I'm going to use this term, maybe uh, make some of us a little... Uh, angry, <laughs> but to use it in a in a good way to uh, start pounding the phones, talking to your officials, talking to them, talking to them, and at the same time, through your uh, associations, through your boards, and through your roundtables, coming together with a specific agenda and looking at some of these projects and say, hey, this is how we can move some of these things forward. I'd like to see some of this occur. I know we have the uh, the intelligence, we have uh, the resources to be able to do that. Now, as the industry um, continues to er- erode, and as I said, the recession that never ended, uh, construction matters so greatly in our economy. Uh, it's 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 a huge huge part uh, of the ongoing um, recovery is to take these needs and I've said this probably ten different ways during the past uh, thirty or forty minutes and I know I'm saying it ten different ways and I'm saying it that for us to uh, be able to dissect in your own views as you listen and as you decide to to research uh, these particular. Uh, opportunities that we uh, as we have now part of AGC's um, research and uh, and their recommendations uh, I'm, I'm just going to go through a few uh, so you can uh, grab on these and hopefully it's going to want you it's going to pique your interest to learn more uh, so we can uh, look at how the this would affect uh, increasing the um, uh, the economy and also being able to help you, uh, the construction and the related industry, uh, get back on track here. Now, one of the recommendations that they have in the report is to increase the commercial building energy efficiency tax deductions. Well, that's a, uh, that's that's a that's that's a that's a law. Uh, that allows owners to deduct the cost of installing energy-efficient systems. Uh, it can put people to work. It can put the distributors and the vendors to work. Uh, so those are some things that we could, we can uh, look at, and that's going to be some things that we could do immediately. And I think uh, 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 my son, my, well, Miles sent me a report some time ago from uh, President Clinton, and I think that's one of the things that they did in New York. Uh, New York went out and said, paint all the buildings white, the top of the roof, and Mayor uh, Bloomberg got on that, and it's putting people to work, one air conditioner at a time. So this is a tax deduction that if we can look at that and and know that that's available to us, well, it would think, well, let's go. Maybe we can put three people to work, five people to work. We can put that. So that's, that's a big deal as well. Now, and also – Convert the commercial building energy efficiency tax deduction into tax credits, and that following the same same line, we can have tax credits to go along with that as well. Now, another thing that uh, we should be keenly aware of is is to uh, 
what I say, and I agree with the plan for the agency, is reject the efforts to increase uh, taxes on carried interests. So we need to look at that. Uh, and that's one of the things that's killing California specifically, especially this uh, dual taxation uh, that we have. And uh, I also mentioned last week uh, about uh, California ranking 50 as the worst states to do business in, or number one worst state to do business in, as a recent survey by the Chief Executive Magazine. So here we are. State California is dead last. And at one time, we were the eighth largest economy in the world. But yet, we're dead last from uh, being business friendly. We're driving people and businesses out of the state of California. So here are some of the things that we can uh, dig into and and we can um, uh, really start making some of the effects, especially from this energy efficiency. Now, and our next segment, which is next week, I'm just giving you a heads up right now. We're going to dig down on a lot of these things that we can do, and we're going to have some uh, more guests on the show. Uh, and, and we're really going to dig into this because you really need to understand the impact and to uh, get you to say, man, I need to talk to my accountant and see if we did this, how could we do this? Or, man, I need to talk to my banker and say, this is the type of projects we're doing, and maybe you could help uh, loaning up some money, and here's all the benefits. See how we start uh, uh, attaching these things together? Then we can start moving moving forward. Now, another thing that I think is absolutely critical, you know, and it's also for not only for the construction industry, but for the uh, construction equipment uh, distribution and manufacturing, is to provide the tax credits for contractors that invest in new cleaner construction equipment. Well, I know a lot of people that's listening to the show today and everybody's talking about you know is going to probably pounce all over me like a big gorilla <laughs> because we know uh the debate that we've been going through for is the EPA in California and the emissions and all of these type of things uh it's a big deal and we know some of the mandates uh, and that were put on contractors, uh, which has also affected the construction equipment distribution sector uh, in California. Uh, a lot of our local contractors spent hundreds of millions of dollars to upgrade the fleet for only to the state to say, oopsie, uh, you didn't have to do that. We're going to extend this for a period of time. And even, uh, I know there's meetings going on today uh, from some colleagues in, in Southern California, just looking at the data itself, how they measure the emissions. So this is a big can of worms. But what we need to be aware of that uh, is to make sure that we have some uh, real tax credits uh, to support that because becoming cleaner, and I don't know if anybody is opposed to clean air. <laughs> I don't know anybody... Uh, that it's going to be an opposition to that. However, how we go about getting there is another subject. And and, and the science of the measure there is certainly uh, a debate that's been going on for several years and will continue. So this is an opportunity for the industry as well to really uh, stop fighting about it but trying to get some solid science that we can all agree on and have an approach because if we can come up with an agreement and we know that we have to start upgrading our fleets, well, that's going to, you know, it's going to give tax credits to the contractors. It's going to uh, put some of the construction equipment people back to work. Uh, I mean, it's it's been dead in California for selling uh, off-road construction equipment, okay? So that's something that we're going to dig down uh, more on uh, in, in uh, future shows as well. Now, another thing that I want to bring to your attention in this regard, and right now we're, we're talking about things that we can uh, boost um, revenues and the economy and put people to work, some of the things that we need to take a, uh, take a look at. And that is also to the extent the payroll tax exemption, uh, the exemption, okay? So we need to continue to stay on top of that, uh, uh, of that uh, payroll tax exemption uh, into not only 2011, 12, and 13, we need to take a look at that. Now, 
Another area that with the remaining time that we have uh, is this. Now, this is a big one, is to make permanent the depreciation bonus and capital expenditure write-off levels. We need to make that permanent. Uh, as part of the tax relief, uh, the unemployment uh, insurance uh, reauthorization and the Job Creation Act, businesses are able to immediately write off 100% of the cost of new tangible depreciable property. Now, this is big, okay? This is a big deal for all of us, okay, that if we could uh, uh, do that. Now, like construction equipment, placed in service starting September the 9th, 2010, okay? So there's a timeline there, okay, through 2011. So we need to make sure that we get this extended on out to 2012 and 2013, do not allow that to go away, okay? The law also allows for uh, 50% bonus depreciation for business investments placed in service in 2012. Now, so that goes back to the AIA's report and other things we have. We have things in place that we need to take advantage of that will enhance uh, our ability to do business. So for all of our uh, business owners, contractors, developers, equipment, everybody, uh, it's, 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 it's do some research. It's, it's become more educated and just take a look at, uh, as, as you do your strategic planning and as you're planning, how you can put some of these places in work. And I know that there are a lot of contractors in the state that are very sophisticated in doing this well. However, I also know that there's a lot of the uh, mid-level contractors and et cetera that are kind of going by the wayside, in other words, being uh, forced out of the business because they can't afford to stay in it, uh, can't borrow money, the barges are down, cash flow, debt, and et cetera. So these are some things that we really need to stay on top of. Now, the current law allows small business taxpayers to write off capital expenditures, up to $500,000, which was in 2010, is applied. It's also in 2011, and up to 250000 made in 2012. So this is also a big deal, that we are aware of that, and that our CFOs and our accountants and our bookkeepers, we're looking at those particular things because I know a lot of my contractor friends that we still have fleets that are falling apart. So how can we uh, upgrade those, which will uh, make you more efficient, more productive? We'll also put revenue back into the dealers, if you will, and 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 for the manufacturers. So we got this chain reaction going on as well. So that's that's a big deal that I I, I just want us to continue to be aware of, and um, and make sure that uh, we're utilizing these these tools now. The next one uh, probably be uh, the last one that I'll be able to cover. No, I maybe get uh, two more in, but this one is big as well. Extend and expand the five-year carryback of net operating losses for small businesses. That's a big deal to make sure that we do that, make sure that we support that. Uh, businesses that experienced net operating losses in 2008, which the wheels were just coming off the wagon in 2009, are able to carry those losses back over the preceding five years. So we had some pretty good years, right? So if we can make sure that we can go back and mitigate some of those tax uh, uh, liabilities, that will also uh, do a lot of adding jobs and, and creating employment. Now, on the other side of the aisle, uh, or the other view, uh, one would argue that, well, if we're not bringing in more revenue into the federal economy, what are we going to do? Well, uh, there, is a, uh, there, there, there is a balance there as well. Now, the next thing that um, uh, I'm just going to hit on um, is make permanent certain tax cuts from 
2001-2003. And I'm bringing this back some time now. Uh, while the broad range of tax cuts enacted in 2001, there was some big stuff that went into place in 2001 and 2003 that were uh, extended through 2012. Uh, we got to keep our eye on that. Now, uncertainty about future tax rates after 2012 is also uh, a big issue for new investment. Because if that starts over, we don't know what that tax rate is going to look like, you know, after 2012. So we need to make sure that we are really on top of that. Now, as a result, Congress, you know, should make permanent. And I say Congress should, and and, and a big part of the initial segments of the show is talking about our debt ceiling, right? So we got this big elephant up here. Now we're talking about nuts and bolts down here. But all these pieces have got to come together, and, and that's where we've got to be educated, uh, continuous education, and be aware of what we can do uh, in our everyday businesses and, and have that education, to have intelligent discussions. I mean, daily, do not hesitate to reach out and get up to Sacramento and get on those committees and, 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 and all at your Congress and at your Senate constantly let them know that we are an educated industry, if you will. And like I said, I'm just you know, kind of focused on the construction and related industry, that we are educated and we certainly uh, have thoughts and support certain things. And like I said, we have many of our associations that are doing phenomenal jobs uh, in carrying that message. Uh, but I remember last week Emily saying uh, that a lot of times uh, the contractors do not get involved. A lot of times they, some of these associations would send out, hey, send this letter, and we don't. So so, so we got to uh, stop that practice. We've got to make sure that we are responding and view this political environment, these pending bills, as as important to your business as building your bridge or repaving your highway. This is a big part of your long-term strategic planning is how that that's going to affect uh, your risk analysis. And as we look at a project, everything is about risk analysis, and these things that we're talking about, uh, we need to be on top of them and, and following them very, very closely uh, on, on a daily basis. Okay. Now, we've got time for one more. I've said that for the past five minutes, right? One more, but here we got we have another one, and that is in double taxation on U.S.-based businesses succeeding in international markets. We have, to our wisdom, for some god-awful reason, decided to punish companies that are doing business internationally or U.S. companies, and we're penalizing them. Uh, and, and, and doing so, okay? So we really have got to take uh, take a look at that. Now, I'm going to come back full circle as to the beginning of the show and kind of end this um, discussion this way. And it comes off. Reform and enact multi-year federal highway transit and aviation legislation, right? So we started off with that. So once again, uh, you know, assuming that cooler heads prevail from the White House and Congress, that we get a debt ceiling, then we get down to work of putting a permanent long-term bill together, continue to move that forward, uh, through the committees and, and get a long-term bill signed. With that being accomplished, and then we as contractors and, and in the industry then can start making long-term plans, and so can the Department of uh, Transportation and other associated uh, uh, industries can make uh, better, better decisions on um, uh, those projects that we want to uh, build, right? So, we've discussed uh, the debt ceiling to ad nauseum. 
We've discussed uh, just briefly the California budget, not much. We discussed the wonderful things that I think the AIA is doing. And we have drilled down on some very tactical things that uh, uh, that we can do coming forth in the AIA that I certainly support and that we can do for as a local businessman. So I want to say thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for your participation. And our show is back at our regular time next week at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Uh, July the 23rd, as we're going to continue to drill down on this. And I am inviting an open invitation to all the leaders in the industry, uh, as well as our elected officials, to come on and just roll up our sleeves and talk about some of these uh, in a more tactical way, how we can go out and really put some of these things to work uh, in our business, uh, say, Monday morning when we go to work, okay? So, once again, I want to thank you for your listening, and until next week, this is Jim White saying make it a great day and a great week, and until we talk next week. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio.